Amen. All right. Notice verse nine of First Peter chapter two says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works, which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. This morning, I'm going to continue talking about how to change your culture. As an individual in your family, how you can go from somebody who maybe came from a bad culture that was not Christian, that was not Baptist, how you could change your lineage, so to speak. How you can maybe break some of these family curses. How you can uh, go on and for your children, it just kind of be second nature for them following the things of God. And uh, the first week, we talked about leadership. It starts with leadership in the home. The leaders need to get on board and you've got to make it happen. Last week, we talked about um, traditions. It's good to implement some good traditions in your home. And go back and listen to those messages if you haven't heard those. I'm not going to repeat those things. But this morning, what I want to talk about is purpose. Okay? You need to have a purpose. If you are going to pass on a good culture to your children, there needs to be a reason for the things you do. You've got to have a real legitimate purpose. And we live in a country today, Tom, the speaker's buzzing a little bit, if you can turn that down. In our country today... It's constantly celebrating different cultures. There's always these, all these different ethnic prides pride and things. And the truth is, in our country, the more depraved the culture is, the more they like to celebrate it. You know, the more weird, the more messed up, the more they make a big deal about it. And they like shoving these things down kids' throats. They just did this show. I haven't even seen it. Uh, one of these Disney shows, Coco, which is like celebrating this messed up. Uh, I forgot what it's called, but I think it's in this in Mexican culture. Where they like celebrate all this dead stuff, you know. And a while back, Disney made the movie. They wanted to do something for the black community. They wanted to have a black princess. So what did they do? They celebrated the voodoo culture in that. Now, why is it that Disney doesn't try to do something for the Christian culture and then promote Baptist? Do a you know do a cartoon about Baptist and make Baptist look good? I want to see him try doing that sometime. But you know what? I'm not going to hold my breath. Okay. And honestly, I really don't want him to do that because Disney. I'm pretty sure is not going to portray Baptists accurately. Okay? But the thing is, they're not going to celebrate our culture. They're not going to lift that up and promote it. They're going to constantly promote perversion, depravity, whatever is anti-God. That is what our country does. And the truth, but for me, I want to pass on the culture that I grew up with to my kids. I came from an IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist culture, and I'm thankful for that. I thank God that a lot of these things are second nature to me. And I want to pass these on to my kids, but I will say that many, many of my contemporaries, people my age who grew up the way I did, they have rejected the IFB culture. They have said, I don't want to have anything to do with it. They now hate it. They're living the total opposite of it. They're going against everything independent fundamental Baptists have stood for for years, even though, and many of them that grew up, they grew up in preachers' homes. 
in independent fundamental Baptist preachers' homes like I did. You know, my dad, he didn't come from a strong IFB family. He came from a very worldly family. They were saved, but they were very worldly. And my dad, he came out of that. He rejected that life. My dad uh, was in the Southern Baptist for a while. The Southern Baptist got crazy liberal. He came out of that, went independent, became independent fundamental Baptist, and he raised me and my sisters in an independent fundamental Baptist uh, lifestyle. And many people that came from that same background, they have rejected it. Many from that generation have rejected it. And they are going back to what our fathers came out of. Now, why is that? I believe there's a very good reason for that. Because I believe it's because the last generation, for the most part, and there's exceptions, and I thank God I'm a part of that exception. And I don't say I'm a part of it, meaning you know I'm really good. No, I think you know my parents were an exception in many areas from many people in the IFB. But the previous generation did a bad job of teaching why we do the things that we do. They taught a lot of things right. You go back and you listen to the preachers of old, the preachers from the previous generation. They preached hard on separation. They preached that we ought to have standards and that we ought to be separate from the world and different. We ought to have the right kind of music in churches. We ought to dress a certain way. And the things that they taught were right. But you know what they failed to do? is They failed to prove it from the Scriptures. They failed to teach why. They just often would get up and just say, this is what you ought to do and do it because I said so. And you know, kids ought to listen to their parents just because their parents say so. But the thing is, your kids are going to grow up and if you want that to actually be passed on to them, you're going to need to teach them why. You're going to have to, you need to let them know there is a reason that we do the things that we do. There is a why. And if we fail to pass that on to the next generation, they're not going to hang on to that kind of thing. And you, as a parent, if you are a first-generation Christian and you know, you're trying to live this kind of lifestyle and you're trying to pass this on because you know it's better for your kids, you better teach them why. You better pass the, a purpose down to them so they will hang on to it. Because I, I want to pass on my IFB heritage to my children. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to teach them why. I'm going to have to show them that we are not just another group just following pointless customs and rituals, but we are people that do what we do for a reason. We have a purpose. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God has a purpose for us. God didn't just save us just so we could go to heaven. That's not why he he saved us and we are going to go to heaven. But, you know, God has a purpose for us here on this earth right now. God has a, a, a goal for us, an end result for us that's good, a plan for us. He wants us to be happy while on this earth. That's one of his many purposes that he has. And so we've got to teach these things to the next generation. Because if you don't, if you fail to teach your children the purpose, what their purpose is, what our purpose is, as believers, then you know what your children are just going to naturally do? They're going to follow the world's purpose. And what is the world's purpose? Well, I think Ephesians 2 sums it up the best. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. What do they do? They're just what? You know what they were doing? 
They were going after the things of the flesh. And listen, there's, and I could probably do a message on this, but let me just briefly explain something to you. There's like, there's kind of two classes that you could say of of people pursuing the things of the flesh. All right, you have your lower class or your normal people, okay, who their things of the flesh they're going after. It's basically whatever carrot is being dangled in front of their face, okay. And the carrots being dangled in front of our faces are, you know, being dangled in front of our faces by the elites that want us to do what they need us to do. So you know what? Here's what your children are going to do if you don't give them any purpose. They are going to be lame, pathetic video gamers, sitting around eating junk food, you know, being worthless, just watching television 24/7. 30 years old, dressing up like superheroes and going to Comic Con. All right. That is what your children are going to do if you don't give them a purpose, okay? Then you have, you know, you have your more higher class people that are going after the things of the flesh. What are they doing? They're going after the money, okay? Their purpose is money, power, fame. Those are the things that they're going after. And, you know, they often use us, you know, they, they use the, you know, the lower class people, but either way, it's going after the things of the flesh. That's all there is to it. That is their purpose, the things of the flesh. But you know, even if you gain this whole world, it's all going to burn one of these days. Everything that you can gain from this earth is going to burn. That is no real purpose. That's temporary. We're going after things that are eternal, things that are lasting. And if you don't teach your kids what that looks like and how these things work, then they are just going to follow the carrots that are dangled in front of their face by the news media, by the, by the advertising companies, and they are just going to do whatever's being promoted right now. Right now, it's going to just be a lazy video gamer just staring at a screen 24-7. That's what, that's what they're going to do. And we don't want that. A life with no purpose is a life that only pursues the lusts of the flesh. We don't want that to be us. Those people you know, who are just going to the bars, going to the casinos, doing all those things, they're just doing what they do naturally as brute beasts. Okay? You dangle a steak in front of a dog's face, he's going to start salivating. I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out what he's going to do. And, the war, and there's people out there, they have figured out how to dangle these things in front of people's faces. And that's how they can get people to do something as stupid as going to a casino and gambling all their money away. Why what do they do? They dangle just the possibility of riches. That's all they do. They dangle that in front of them. The possibility of riches. I see it all the time when I have to go into the station and then you just got to wait for all these people to buy all their lottery tickets and stuff. Why? Because some politician, okay, they use that. I mean, the, the government promotes that stuff as much as anything. That's how they get a lot of their tax dollars. They dangle the possibility of riches. Let me tell you something about lottery tickets. I don't know why I'm preaching on this all of a sudden. It's just a big thing of the flesh. Lottery is a tax on the poor and a tax on the stupid. Okay? That's all there is to it. Okay? The poor people, they don't tend to pay as much taxes as rich people do. And this is a way to just get more money even out of the poor. Because rich people don't play the lottery. They're not, they're not, they didn't get rich by being stupid. It's poor people that are doing that. And they're following that carrot that's dangled in front of their face. They ought to know better than that. And when you, when you see all the stupid things that people in this world are doing, it's because people, you know, our world knows how to promote things. It knows how to market. And it's working. And I don't want 
my kids to be that way, just following after every stupid, ridiculous, worldly fad. So I've got to let them know they have a purpose in life. There is a reason that we abstain from these things. There is a reason that we're not going to do this. And if it, it will help. It will, it will make a difference in their decisions. Some people do not have a purpose, but we do. We have, God has given us purpose. God has given us something much better for His people. God has chosen us for a reason. And what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, He calls us a chosen generation. One of the things that the previous generation did that I believe caused them to lose much of my generation and why they are still losing people in my generation to the trendies and the, all the weirdos and why they're still... I mean, they're constantly losing people. The IFB is just... I mean, there's a mass exodus from the IFB today. Why? I believe one of the reasons is they have failed to tell these people who they are. And one, let me tell you something today. If you are saved, you are God's chosen people. But let me tell you something. People who know how to market. And I know this might sound racist here, but some of the best marketers in the world are Jews. Okay? That's how they've gotten rich. They have marketed themselves as the chosen people. And Baptists have fallen for it. Thanks to guys like Schofield and Darby and all these people, they have fallen for this. They're looking at a group of people who hate Jesus Christ, and they're like, wow, look, those are the chosen people. These people are so special. God's hand is all over them. You know, and if you talk about, if, if they'll talk about how rich they are, and they'll say it's because they're God's chosen people. Like that, like that, you know, riches, you know, is what we're all pursuing. And then we wonder why our kids want to pursue riches. Let me tell you something. They are not God's chosen people. The previous generation got that dead wrong. We are God's chosen people. Okay, because here's, and I talked about this Wednesday. What does it mean to be chosen? To be chosen, it's not just a title. Okay? It it has meaning to it. God chose us for something, and I'm going to show you what God has chosen us for because this is our purpose, folks. This is what we're trying to pass on. God did not just save us so we can go to heaven, even though that is a wonderful thing. And no matter what you do, even if you don't follow His purpose, even if you have no purpose, if you're saved, you're still going to go to heaven. But I want to follow God's purpose for my life. I want to, I want to be in His will. So what is this? What did God choose us for? Because when I call us the chosen people, I'm not just saying it as a word because I just like the word chosen. We're chosen for something. We were specifically chosen for something. And I said it Wednesday, and I'll say it again. When somebody tells you that the Jews are God's chosen people, ask them, chosen for what? And see if they can give you an answer. And I'll show you in the Bible what God chose them for. And you know what? It's exactly what He chose us for here in 1 Peter chapter 2. All right, Spoiler alert right there, but we'll see it here as we go through this message. So what is our purpose? What are we as God's chosen people supposed to do? What, what does this mean? Well, first off, notice what he said in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, you're a chosen generation. Okay, Chosen for what? That means a lot of things, right? Or it could, it could really mean anything. You could say, I have chosen you to, you know, as the Calvinists would say, go to hell. Alright, you know, well, I don't want to be chosen for that. You know, that's not what he chose us for. Okay? He chose us for something. What is it? Notice what he says. He said, you're a chosen generation and royal priesthood. That's what he said. He said we are. He said we are a royal priesthood. 
Now what's interesting, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, we see that there was a Levitical priesthood that God instituted back then. And you know what God told him in Leviticus 10.10? 10? It says, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. You know what the purpose for the Levite was? To set the example to everyone else. You all set the example for what's good and what's bad. You teach... Ezekiel. Chapter 44, verse 23 says, And they shall teach My people, talking about the priests, the difference between the holy and profane and will cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. That's what God said in the Old Testament to the Levitical priesthood. You know what He said to us in the New Testament? Matthew 5.14 He said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know who God wants setting the difference between the holy and profane today? Us. He has called us to do that. So you know why we go to the Bible and we try to follow the rules that the Bible teaches? It's not just so we can have a better life. It's so we can set an example for the rest of the world. The rest of our world today is on their way to hell. The rest of the world today is suffering, is in misery because of their sin. And God wants someone to show the world that you don't have to live that way. You don't have to have that kind of life. And we have been chosen for that. So when our kids who have the same flesh that the world has, when they are just naturally wanting to maybe go after some of those things of the flesh, you know what we're supposed to do as, as parents? We are supposed to teach them that we are God's people. When you believed on Christ... He gave you the free gift of salvation and He has something for you. He wants you to set the example for everyone else. There's a whole world out there that's on their way to hell. There's a whole world out there that's suffering as a result of their sin and somebody needs to set an example. We can't just walk around with the Bible in our hand preaching everywhere we go. So you know what we need to do? We need to preach with our lives too. We need to make sure we teach people morality, that they see that you can have a happy marriage, that you can live a good life. We need to show people that you don't have to go after the things of the flesh. We don't have to follow every temptation. We don't have to ruin our finances with gambling. We don't have to ruin our bodies with alcohol and with drugs. We don't have to do any of those things. In fact, we are, we, we're, we're going to teach our kids we actually honor God and we glorify God when we take care of our body and we should take care of our body because unlike the world teaches, it says it's your own body, do whatever you want. Our body is the temple of God. We've got a purpose, so we're going to stay away from these things that harm the body. And that's why we're going to teach our children to stay away from things like fornication because somebody who commits fornication, the Bible says they sin against their own body. And we don't want to do that we are God's people and He has chosen us to be a royal priesthood and we're going to set the example. Now, we're not a high priest. Jesus Christ is our high priest. We don't have a high priest anymore. But you all understand, we, don't, you know, we are our own priest today. Jesus Christ is the high priest and we are our own priest. I am not a priest for, to you. I am my own priest. And one of the things I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to... you know keep things right between me and God, but I'm also supposed to set an example to other people. God has called us to do that just like He had caused them. It's our responsibility as Christians to set the moral example. We don't let the government determine what the moral example is. Our government has uh, 
twisted idea of what a moral example is. We've got twisted perverts in office today. We can't look to them to set the example. We've got to do that. And a holy example, it will cause others to be convicted of their sins. John 3.19 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Remember, we're supposed to let our light shine. But those who do evil, they hate the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. See, men, they, do, they hate that light because they want to enjoy the wickedness that they're doing. And the truth is, if all of us as Christians, if we put our light under a bushel, then how are their deeds going to be reproved? How are they going to see their need for a Savior if they're all in darkness? That's why they want us all in darkness. That's why they're trying to corrupt all of our children morally by the sex education junk that they're teaching in the public schools by teaching the LGBT trash in the public schools. why That's why they put so much of it on television. They're trying to corrupt all the minds because they don't need any lights out there shining. And that's why, even if I'm not wearing a Leviticus 2013 shirt, I get nasty looks from homos just when I'm with my wife and all our kids. When they see an example, a biblical model of a family, it offends them. It convicts them. Why? There's a light shining on that. And we need to have that example as Christians. God has called us to do it. No one else. And I'm getting sick and tired of Baptists looking to politicians to start fixing everything and setting the example and making the difference and turning the tide. That is not who we're supposed to be looking to. God did not choose them. They are not the chosen people for that. They are not the royal priesthood. We are the royal priesthood. God has called us to do it. And I'm going to continue doing it whether our government likes it or not, whether our government does it or not. I'm not going to look to Donald Trump as an example of a husband. I'm not going to do that. I know he's the president. But I'm not, God, didn't, God didn't choose him to set the example for what a husband should be. He chose you. You have been called for that purpose. That's not his purpose. That's your purpose. You need to set the example. Oh, I don't know why, you know, I'm, I'm tired of all these politicians setting such a bad example for everybody. They don't realize what they're doing. Well, truth is, it's not even their job to set the example. We should be setting that example. It is our job. God chose us, not the politicians. Notice what also he said in 1 Peter 2. He said, You're a royal priesthood. He said, And holy nation. And a holy nation. You all understand that while we're Americans here today, that we all are also a part of another nation that actually takes priority over the United States. We are citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Now, you can't talk about that in most Baptist churches today, but we're going to talk about that here. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are fellow citizens with the saints. We, are, we were strangers and foreigners we were. Uh, there was a time when we were not a part, where we were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, but Jesus Christ broke down that middle wall of partition and He has made both one. And even if you were not born physically of Israel, you can still be a citizen of that today. And we are that. We are a holy nation. 
And the truth is, in reality, we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Okay? Whenever you go to a foreign country, it does feel... I mean, how many has ever been to a foreign country before? All right. Now, when you're in a foreign country, don't you often feel kind of weird because it's like you don't always know what their laws are. And you don't always know what you can get away with. And it's like, you know, and then it's like, can I get away with it? Because I'm a foreigner. If there's a problem between me and one of their citizens, guess who they're probably going to side with? They're going to probably side with one of their citizens. We had this idiot that showed up when we had our soul winning thing over in Ireland. This total infiltrator, pile of garbage idiot showed up. I knew who this guy was, but I didn't know what he looked like. And he was like within our group, kind of hiding out. And somebody found out who he was and pointed him out to me. And I went and told him to leave. And the guy who didn't want to leave at first, he wanted to run his mouth. And I just kind of got in his face. And man, I wanted to, I wanted to physically remove him so bad. I, I, I wanted to so bad, but I was like, I'm in Ireland. I don't know what the laws are here. You know, chances are me not being a citizen, you know, if I go and get physical with this guy, I'm probably going to be in a lot of trouble. You know, if it had been here, I would have, you know, I'd have physically removed him. But over there, you know, as a stranger and pilgrim, I, 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 you know, so I just, I just tried to make him think I was going to remove him. And he eventually, he eventually walked away, running his mouth like a little girl. But, you know, it was, it, that was pretty funny. But you have, you have to watch that when you're on someone else's turf, don't you? Okay? Just like when I go to your house, I'm not necessarily going to do just whatever I would do in my own house. Okay? I'm, I'm on your turf. And we do have to be careful on this earth because this is not our turf. This is not our home. Okay? We're looking for a better country, a heavenly country. We're looking for the new Jerusalem is what we're looking for. And the truth is, though at the same time, we are a holy nation. We are a special people of God. And therefore, we're not going to get too caught up in the things of this world. We're not going to get too caught up in their goofy causes because of the fact we have something better. We are different from the world and we put God first. And that always makes the world bad. Even back in the days when Israel was God's people, if you look at Esther chapter 3, verse 8, it says, And Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's law, Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. Now, part of what he said here was true, and part of it was false. And the world is the same way with us. Okay, Our laws are different than the world's laws. Our laws trump God's laws. Or not God's laws. The world's laws. Okay, And when I say our, I mean the Word of God. Okay, God's law trumps Trump's law. Okay? So, the thing is though, our government is lucky that this law right here tells me to follow the laws here on this earth. Because if it didn't, there's a lot of laws I wouldn't follow. A lot. All right? Especially when it comes to taxes. I mean, it's lucky it says in there for this clause, pay ye tribute. Because if it didn't, I'd use every method I could to not pay taxes in this country because our government wastes the money, especially in our state. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't trust them at all. They're lucky that God's law tells me to follow their law. If it told me not to, man, I wouldn't 
so willingly and so anxiously, it wouldn't even be funny. I, w- I, I wish I could find a scripture in here that says, start the revolution today, man. I'd, I'd do it. I'm ready. But I don't think we're there yet. And they're lucky because God's law tells me to do things a certain way. And so I'm going to be, you know, as a citizen of the commonwealth of Israel who does his best to follow God's laws, I'm going to try to be a decent, law-abiding American. And thankfully, I think you can still be a decent, law-abiding American and follow God's laws. But at the same time, we must never forget the priorities there. We are citizens of the commonwealth of Israel first. Americans second. Okay? That, takes, that takes a back seat every single time. And we need to teach that to our children. Otherwise, they're going to get caught up in every American thing. Anytime a politician comes along, he can come and say, take the mark of the beast, start playing God bless America, and then everybody's going to, you know, they're all going to want to do it. We're not, we don't need to do that. We don't need to be that way. We need to be like Daniel. We need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When, remember Daniel? They had you know, the people, they hated him so what did they do? They had to on purpose make a law going against his law. And then what did Daniel do? He obeyed God's law, didn't he? That's what they did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were good law abiding guys, but when they just when they overreached, they made a law that went against God's law, they followed God's law and were willing, all of them, to be put to death. And in their case, God protected them. But did you know there's many cases where God didn't save the people's lives. They died. And Hebrews 11 talks about them. They tortured. I mean, they were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They died. Many people died. We like the stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there's much more stories of people who died, who didn't get deliverance, did not accept deliverance, and those people were supposed to follow that example and we do. We have a purpose that is worth dying for. That's what we've got to teach our children. And we, you know, just like our country, and you know, I grew up being taught to be patriotic. Y'all be willing to die for your country and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that's great. I mean, thank God for those who have fought the good wars and that have given their life for you know to protect freedom. But do y'all understand that dying for the cause of Christ is better than dying for America. Way better. So, why don't we teach our children that? How is it that our government is able to convince thousands and thousands of young people to give their lives, you know, fighting battles on the other side of the world? You know, they're willing, they're able to convince them to do that, but we can't convince our children to live for God. Why, you know, why is that? We ought to, but unfortunately, we're not spreading, people aren't spreading that purpose. They don't realize they're in a holy nation. You know what? We see a lot of Christian kids doing today. They're getting recruited. They're wanting to go join the military. Why? So they can go fight for Israel. We've got to stand with our number one ally. God's going to bless us if we fight for Israel. Maybe they wouldn't fall for that if we would teach our children that we are Israel and we don't need to go fight for them, that they're Antichrist. That's what, that's, if we would teach people that, maybe they'd make better decisions and realize, you know what, my job is not to vote for Republicans who support Israel. You know, my job is to join the military so I can go fight the enemies of Israel. My job is to stand for the holy nation that I am a part of. And you know what, I'm going to spread the gospel. That's what that, they ought to do, but 
That is not being taught. We also need to teach, and it teaches in First Peter chapter two. He says you're a peculiar people. All right. And that, what's interesting? That's exactly what he says. And uh, look at Exodus chapter nineteen, verse five. Okay, that that word peculiar it doesn't mean weird. That's how we often use that word today. It doesn't mean weird, but it says in Exodus nineteen five. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Do you all see that right there? God said, if ye will keep my covenant, ye will be the peculiar people. Ye will, you will be the kingdom of priests the holy nation. Now let me ask you, did they keep the covenant? No, they did not. Okay? And for any dispensationalists out there, well, you all think that you have kept the covenant. Yes, I do think I've kept the covenant. I kept it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did keep the covenant. And therefore, I, me being in Christ, me putting my faith in Him, He has caused me to keep the covenant. That's the little detail that these guys like to leave out. I don't think I'm better. I don't think I'm that great, but I think Jesus Christ is better than the nation of Israel. And I'm in Christ. Therefore, I have done that. Therefore, 1 Peter 2 applies to me when he says we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. All those things that God said Israel would be if they would keep His covenant, we see has been transferred to us because Jesus kept the covenant and we are in Christ. We are the peculiar people. Now, what does that mean, peculiar exactly? All right, It means belonging to a person and to Him only. That goes right along what He said to them in Exodus chapter 19. He said, Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto Me above all people. In other words, I'm putting a distinction between you and everyone else. Okay? In other words, I'm going to show the world that you belong to me. That you are mine. That is us, folks. That is what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says you're a peculiar treasure. It means almost, it says almost every writer has a peculiar style. Most men have manners peculiar to themselves. Another definition is singular particular. This man has something peculiar in his deportment. Okay, In other words, there, there's a singleness about it. In other words, there's not another thing like it. Okay? This, it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind. I mean, or particular or special. And the truth is, the Bible teaches over and over again in the New Testament, there is only one people of God. God made both one. We are that people of God. We are a special people that God has chosen for Himself. And therefore, it is our responsibility, it is our purpose to be that holy nation, to be that kingdom of priests. That is what we have been chosen for. God picked us to do that and nobody else. No one else. Now, I don't know about you, that makes me feel special, which is another definition for peculiar. And you know, you know one of the reasons young people who grow up in the IFB world are so anxious to jump ship and to go after the things of the world? They've not been taught that they're special. They've not been taught that what we have is something special. It's something unique. 
And then what do they want to do? I just want to be just like the rest of the world. Why? Why do you want to be just like the rest of the world? They've got nothing going for them. Well, what do I have going for me? Apparently, Israel's the chosen people. You know? So what, are, what does that make us? Chopped liver? You know, that's what they're being taught. And they wonder why they're jumping ship. It, that's why. They're being taught to look at one race of people in the world today and making them special because of their bloodline. And they don't even realize that we're... I mean, look at what we have here today. We've got people of all kinds of different colors in here today. But yet, what do we have in common? Okay, we have Jesus Christ in common. All of us are able to be a part of that. I don't know about you, I like that. And you know, I'm not proud of my, you know, whiteness. Okay? <laughs> have you seen white people around here? Okay? It's, there, there's nothing to be proud of there. Okay? And, you know, and I'll, I gotta be careful with this, because once again, you know, we're very racially sensitive in this country, but why is it that people who aren't white are always talking about how they're proud of their skin color? Alright? What's wrong with being white? Alright? Now, I'm not, I'm not proud of my skin color. You know, and why are you proud just because yours is a little darker? You think darker means better? Right? Why, why are they being taught? You know why? Because, this is why they say that, because they've also been taught you're oppressed because you have a darker skin color, and therefore let's take pride in this. You know, it's, why would we, why are we going to take something, take pride in something as petty and small as skin color? That's ridiculous. Yet our world is obsessed with that today. And even Christians are obsessed with that kind of thing today. And they are, they're always being all culturally sensitive and worried about that stuff. And then, you know, when you're white, you know, we're not allowed to be proud of our skin color. And I'm, you know, if, if black people can be proud of their skin color, white people ought to be proud of their skin color too. But at the same time, I know it's nothing to be proud of. And yet, we're teaching our kids in churches today, you can't be proud of any of your heritage. The Jews are the chosen people. And don't be proud of your skin color either. That's for all the darker skinned people than you. What do we have? I might as well go give my life to video games and junk food and what the rest of the world is doing. Because I'm a bad person anyway because I'm white and apparently I've oppressed all these people and owned slaves. Do you all see... They're just a messed up mentality. And you want, we wonder why it seems like our people have no direction in their life. It's because they're having this trash shoved down their throat. And Baptists aren't even helping them by teaching the truth about who they are and what they are as believers. We've got to teach these things. Quickly, I need to go through this. That clock's broke back there. And I keep thinking I've got ten minutes left. But uh, apparently I don't. Real quick, I'm going to go through this. First off, we see too, we are a peculiar people. It says that we have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Okay, we've been called out of that. That junk that's going on out in the world today, we all could be a part of that, okay, but God has called us out of it. Some of you were a part of that at one time and God called you out of it. If you had the privilege of being born in a Christian home that kept you out of that, you ought to thank God you never were a part of that. We've been called out of that. that you know, Light and darkness doesn't mix. And so you need to teach your kids... That's separate from us. I don't have time to go into all the scriptures on this. Ephesians five one through twelve is a good as a good passage, but we were called out of darkness. It says also, or, you know, we have a responsibility to stay away from that which well, that that we were called out of. You know, we can we have the ability. I can do anything 
that the world can do, but you know, they can't do anything that I do. They can't, they can't do anything I do. But I can do anything that they do. Any of us can get caught up in all that sin and all that trash. And there, there's always going to be that physical desire because we have flesh to go back to the things of the world. But as a people of faith, we ought to reject the seasonal pleasures of sin. Okay, I get why the world goes after the pleasures of sin. I get that. It's because they're not people of faith. They don't know what we know. They don't know what Moses did who chose rather to suffer the affliction of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, how did Moses know that? How did Moses, you know why? Because Moses was a follower of God. Moses believed God. He trusted God. Moses realized that a life as a slave, a life in the wilderness, a life dealing with the murmuring children of Israel was and then eternity in heaven was better than a life with the riches of Egypt. Moses understood that. Why? Because he had faith. Moses has been enjoying the results of his choice for thousands of years now. Now, if he would have been a normal person, you know what he would have done? He would have had 120 or longer wonderful years on this earth, but then he'd been eternity in hell. You know, he'd spent eternity in hell. What was the difference? He understood he's been called out of something. He was someone who was of faith. We get that too. As Christians, we often desire the same things that the world desires, but we trust God. We understand the end of those things. We understand where those things lead to. And so even if we have the desire to participate in that junk, you know what we do? We reject it. We, like Moses, we choose to walk away from that. We don't care if we're poor on this earth. We don't care if the world looks down on us. I guarantee you there were a lot of people in Egypt that looked down on Moses when he rejected the riches of Egypt. I guarantee you he had a lot of people. And I guarantee you there was probably some times in his life where he was like, did I make the right choice? I guarantee you he felt that. But you know, he held on to his faith and he did the right thing. And what we ought to do as Christians, we ought to be the same way. There's going to be times where we desire those things of the world, where our flesh is tempting us to sin. But what we're just going to do because we are God's people, because we are that holy nation, because we are that royal priesthood, because we're a peculiar people, we're going to understand that part of what we do as Christians is that we live by faith. And we're going to trust that God knows what He's talking about and that He has something better for us. And we're not going to care if we get laughed at by the world. That if we're mocked by the world, we're not going to care if we don't have all the pleasures that this life has to offer because we understand there's something better out there for us and we live our lives for that. Amen. Nobody's going to brag. Or, you know, no, you know, nobody wants to post a picture uh, you know, uh, or of their suffering on social media. Nobody's going to be impressed with that. Hey, look at my junky house that I live in because I've chosen the things of God over the things of the world. Okay? That's not going to be as impressive as that person who's showing all the fancy things they have. Hey, look what I can afford now that I quit tithing. You know? They're going to get a lot more attention. But those of us who are of faith, we're going to realize, well, you know what? I won't get to post it on Facebook ever. But I, if I could, if I could post a picture of my eternal rewards, I guarantee it would blow you all away. But I can't do that, can I? I can't even see those things with my, with my physical eye. But I can see them with my spiritual eyes. 
I can see them by faith. And so I'll reject some of these things in order to have the things in the future. That is, that is what we do. That is who we are as Christians. And we've got to pass these things on. We're, and what we are pursuing and even what we already have is better than what the world has. Right now, what we have is better than what they have. Things on the surface might look better for the world, but it's not. It's a lie. It's vanity. Ask Solomon. Oh, where's Solomon? Go read the book of Ecclesiastes. He'll tell you. He had more than any of these people are ever going to get. And let's follow his testimony. He said it's all vanity. It's vexation of spirit. He was miserable. Even though he had everything the world offered. Why is it that we feel like, well, I need to see for myself. Why can't we just let Solomon... Solomon saw it for us. Solomon saw it for us. He wrote it down. God preserved it. He gave it to us. Why can't we just go off of that? I'm going to go off of that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I've only got one life to live. I'm not going to waste it making all the same mistakes that Solomon made and that everyone else in the world's making. I'm a peculiar person. I'm a one of a kind. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood. I don't need to experiment with these things. I don't need to find out what drugs like, drugs are like. I don't need to find out what drunkenness is like. I've seen what Solomon said about drunkenness. I don't need that. And I, and I, and I want to pass that on to my family. But if we fail to show them their purpose, teach them their purpose, teach them why, and we just, we just kind of hit on things in general. But folks, there are specifics too. When it comes to all the things that we do, how we live, there are specifics in the Bible. I wish the previous generation would have done a better job of opening up the Scriptures and showing people, hey folks, this is why. They had a reason. They just weren't good at passing that on. They didn't do a good job of showing people the purpose. And that's why we have the trendies today. That's why we have all the just worldly church junk going on that doesn't even resemble the things of God. They failed to pass on that purpose. And therefore, many of these churches, they have morphed in with the culture of the world. I don't want that. I'm thankful for my the IFB culture I was brought up in. And I want to pass that on. Because our culture comes with a purpose. Make sure you pass that on. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Help us, dear God, to uh, follow these things in our life. Help us to uh, teach, the, teach them to the next generation. There is a why we, and for the things that we do. And I pray that we'll um, set the example of that. I pray that we will be all the things that we have been chosen to do. Lord, help us not to just walk around with the badge of chosen on us, but Lord, help us to realize that that title chosen, uh, it has a meaning to it and it has certain responsibilities that come with it. And I pray You'll help us to uh, fulfill those things according to Your will. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead.